Welcome to the Chantal Hyde Canada's Dating Coach Podcast, where you'll learn to love and be loved. Come understand how powerful you are and share in our common experiences so that we can all grow together. Like Chantal loves to say, let's do this. Hello. Hello. How are you? I just Melissa. I'm so good. You look beautiful. Thank you, my love. Thank you, my love. Welcome to the podcast, Melissa. Melissa, can you mm-hmm. say your last name for me, please? My last name? Petlichkov. Thank so you. So it, it looks confusing, but it's actually like phonetically exactly how it's spelled. Petlichkov. Love it. Love it. You're going to teach us something today. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my very best. I'm going to put on my like scientist hat today. So for those of you who are watching, Melissa is a friend of mine and she is also a therapist. Mm-hmm. Well, Melissa has that education. She's gone all through it that I have not done. And so I'm very much like self-educated experience. Let's put this forth and use it. Melissa has that textbook education and she's going to teach us some things that I didn't even hear about yet. What was it that you said to me? I said, today we're going to do this polyvagal theory thing. And you know why this came about, right? Because there was a conversation about this idea of glimmers and it's becoming more of a like trendy thing. We're seeing it in TikTok. We're seeing it on Instagram, the glimmer, which is the opposite of the trigger. And it came up at a function we were at together and I went, oh my gosh, yeah, I know about glimmers. Like this is from polyvagal theory, which is like an evolutionary scientific nervous system regulation theory and glimmers are beautiful. So I know we're going to get to that, but we should probably like, just like cover some of the science too. <laughs> Let's do this. I'm all for this because listen, you told you, you said this polyvagal and I went Google because I never heard that before. So bring us in this, my love. Okay, so polyvagal theory, it is somewhat evolutionary. So if you think about like the way I like to talk about it when I talk about it to clients is, you know, when you think about evolution, right, we think about a very primitive animal, let's think about the clam, right? So if a clam is in danger, what can a clam do? They can just close up, shut down, right? So that's the nervous system that the clam has. It just closes up, it shuts down. And that's like our dorsal vagal nervous system. And then let's imagine we go to like the fish, right? And the fish can suddenly, it has fins. So it can, when it's in danger, it can shut down and play dead or it can swim away. So now we have our like flight response. And then the fish got some teeth. So then now the fish can shut down, swim away, or it can like bite back. Yeah. And then we even evolved more than that. We became these amazing, beautiful human beings where we developed this other way of being, which is our ventral vagal system, where we have our faces that we can use for expression and we have language. So now we have this other way of being that's very communicative and expressive and connected. So us as humans, we have all of these different responses. And Chantal, you know all about the fight, flight, freeze, right? Yeah. We can think about it a little bit like that too, 
But really polyvagal is about our autonomic nervous system, and I call it the ANDS just for short. And then we have our central nervous system, which is our brain and our spinal cord. So our autonomic nervous system carries all of these stories from our lives growing up. And what's interesting about the autonomic nervous system is that it is wired and develops as we are experiencing our lives. So for example, we could be in our minds and our brains saying like, I really want connection. Like I'm craving connection with other people, but our autonomic nervous system is still in this story or narrative. That's like, no connection is dangerous because of our life experience. Yes. Polyvagal theory is this beautiful way of, for me as a psychotherapist, being able to teach, you know, my clients about these different states that you can be in and helping them recognize the stories that they may be like subconsciously telling themselves about the world, about their place in it and about how they connect to others. So it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's a beautiful theory and I'm lucky enough, like I have a private practice, but I also work with an agency and we are what we call like a polyvagal informed agency and it's how we are trauma informed. So I've been very lucky, like above and beyond like my, you know, education with university to be with an agency that actually informs all of us. Like it doesn't matter if you're a janitor or if you're the secretary or if you're the therapist with this beautiful knowledge that teaches us about, you know, behavior and understanding other people's behavior through this lens. So it's amazing. I love this. So under what circumstances would you bring this up in therapy and how would you have people apply this? Yeah. So really we, we start, we start with polyvagal. So what we do is we start to teach people about like, you know, their nervous system states. Right. And here's the thing about this. Like some people start to go, okay, there's three different states I can be in. There's this like kind of dorsal vagal shutdown. There's this sympathetic activation. And then there's this ventral vagal, right. Which is like connected. And here we are. And, you know, they think, okay, I don't want to be in those other two states. And it's like, no, there's no bad states. Cause like, think about like a dorsal vagal state. We need to be in that state when we sleep when we rest, when we digest, actually, when you think about like breastfeeding, for example, that's a blended state. So you're in dorsal vagal, but you're also in ventral vagal, right? You are like immobilized, but you're feeding a baby. That's actually the same for sex. It's like a dorsal vagal combined with a ventral vagal. And then when you look at like play, like you're playing soccer, So you're mobilized, right? So your sympathetic nervous system is activated, but you're also in a ventral vagal state. But what we have to understand is that some people, you know, they're coming into therapy and they're very much in a shutdown state. Their, you know, shoulders are hunched. They're not making eye contact. Connection doesn't feel safe. And, you know, we could align that with, yeah, like a free state, but we could also align that with depression. Right. If you were clinically depressed, that means you're pretty much in your dorsal vagal nervous system most of the time, right? Or if you are in a highly anxious state, 
right? That's your sympathetic nervous system. You're just very reactive all the time and you can't sit still and you're like, you're nervous, right? So for us as therapists, we're already like looking at this before anything starts. And the beautiful thing about polyvagal theory is there's three main principles to it. And this is why I think it's great for relationship, right? Number one, it's hierarchical. So we have our dorsal vagal down here, and then we have our sympathetic nervous system. And then we have this ventral vagal state with our glimmers and what we want to be in when we're connecting, mm -hmm. right? And then we have this other component called neuroception, which is about the idea that before we even have a thought, and this is the great, this is like amazing and beautiful. So have you ever been in a room, Chantal, where you've gone into a room and you're just like, this feels off. Yeah. Yes. Or you meet someone and you're like, I know I only met them for like one second, but I love them. Yeah. Or I met them for like, I, I, I've known them for a million years. Or you meet them and you're like, they don't like me. Or there's something going on here. So yeah. this is neuroception. So what we have to understand is like our nervous system doesn't speak English. Like we're born with this. So before we even have a thought, which is literally like a translation of what's going on, we have neuroception. Mm -hmm. so bodies already, it's, it's our gut instinct. Yeah. Right. Like your gut instinct, like feeling it like, Ooh, there's danger here. Right. Like neuroception is our nervous system going, checking for cues of safety and danger in our environment. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, if I can expand on that a little bit, our nervous system is ahead of us because they've done studies where they sat people in front of computer monitors and they would flash images, uh, you know, a smiling baby, a puppy getting mauled, right? So anything from like very like heartwarming to yeah. somebody hanging, right? So extremely traumatic. So these, you know, range of images elicit a wide range of responses. And yes. we're monitoring the people like you're monitoring something who's doing a lie detector test, the heart rate, respiration, temperature, if you're sweating. And so what they were doing is they were noticing that people were reacting before the images came up. Yes, it is ahead of us. So that's exactly it. It's involuntary. Yeah. Right. It's like, so when our thought comes and then when we speak it, like this is after our neuroception, right? It's kind of magical. It's like kind of magical. And then the other component of this is this idea of co-regulation, right? So relationships are medicine. I say this all the time. So for me as a therapist, um, you know, sometimes we think co-regulation, we think of like a baby crying, right? A, a newborn baby. Yeah. So a newborn baby is crying. They don't speak English either, but you know, a mother can co-regulate with a baby mm -hmm. right? in the same room with them with their breathing, with their heart rate. So for me as a therapist, I'm ensuring that I am in my most regulated state so that I am able to go into a room with someone who's never met me before and I'm able to co-regulate with them. 
Yeah. It's, so that's the beautiful part. It's, it's a special talent to be able to listen to what other people are going through without taking it on yourself. And that's what helps you be a good therapist is that you're not taking the last people's problems, carrying it as an emotional load, and then showing up at the next session, having this right. emotional load, you come clear and ready to help. Yes. And you know, you know, what's really interesting about this um, how I actually learned when I first started with the agency that I'm with, that's polyvagal informed. So we do a lot of, uh, equine assisted psychotherapy. So we're working with horses and horses are, um, animals that are like their prey, right. But they're pack animals too. So they've done a lot of studies with horses where, um, they have these big hearts, right? Like really big hearts. And uh, I'm sure you know that like, you know, there's horses that are therapy horses that work, for example, with kids, you know, with like autism or down syndrome and, um, horses are able to, from a very far distance away, be able to regulate their heartbeat and their breathing with you. So the way I actually learned, um, to co-regulate, uh, part of my training for polyvagal was with horses not even people. And I thought that was a really beautiful thing. We would put heart monitors on ourselves and we would have them on the horses and we would learn how to be able to regulate our heartbeats and our breathing in line with a horse, which is an 800 pound animal, right? So you can't, you can't trick them, right? And what's so beautiful about this theory is that it goes, like you're saying, it is before it's before thought, it's before language, right? It's about a way of being. So polyvagal theory really brings the importance of your way of being into my practice, for example, as a psychotherapist. Oh, I love that way of being because like, you know, I'm a dating and relationship coach. And I say, in order to have a happy, healthy relationship is a two-part process. It's who you choose, but also who you choose to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and we and we know this, right? And this goes back to the neuroception piece, right? If it was always like, let's say you're dating, you're meeting people. If it was only about what they said, right? Or what they told you, you know, people can tell you and they can say anything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right? Their way of being, and I love, I love, I love that like phrase, yeah. helps a lot. And I talk to my clients about that a lot too, right? Especially when they're managing, you know, interpersonal relationships or relationships with family members, you know, say sometimes we can talk this into the ground, yeah. right? If there's a conflict or something going on in your life, but tell me about your way of being. How right. are you growing up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Your intentions, they can be, um, you know, intentions. We can talk about our intentions all day. Mm -hmm. right? I intend to do this. I intend to do that. This is how I'm going to do this. This is how I'm going to do that. But like, how do I feel when I'm alone in a room with you? Yeah. And most people, you know, they speak their ideal. So, you know, I, I, when they're, when they're talking to you about what it is they want you to see in them, they're speaking the ideal of who they want to present, but not necessarily who they are. 
For instance, I had an ex-boyfriend who kept saying, I want to be your friend. Let me be your friend. By the way, we were boyfriend and girlfriend and he was cheating on me saying, I, I'm your friend. Like, I, I, I'm your friend, right? He was not a friend. Friend is a verb. Friend uplifts, friend supports. Friends don't hurt each other by lying and going behind each other's back and doing mean things, um, betraying each other. So that was really, I learned two lessons with that ex. One, what a friend actually is because he made me think about what a friend is because what he was saying wasn't making sense um and two people speak their ideals not their reality mm -hmm. and you know what happens then we do this thing where we fall in love with potential and what we do is we end up projecting the potential that we believe somebody else has and really what that is is what we would do if we were them yeah and then we just kind of are like falling in love with like our own potential and we're projecting that out. We fall in love with the dream because they paint a story. This is who I am. They're speaking their ideals. This is who I am. And we're like, great, this is who I want. And if we come together and build a life, this is the castle in the sky that we're going to live in. This is why breakups are so hard because you have to let go of the castle in the sky. You're like, oh, but it was so cushy. It was so comfortable. It was amazing. I really wanted to live there. And you're yeah. so disappointed at crashing back down to earth and seeing the reality for what it is. They were never that person. Yes. Yeah. You know, and this is where that idea too of that neuroception, that gut instinct piece becomes really relevant as well, right? Um, and I think people can get like, and, and this is what, this is part of the work I do. So when you think about your nervous system, if you've had a lot of experiences of trauma, right? You could be living in a place where you're sensing danger, where there is no danger yeah. or connection in and of itself could feel dangerous. So it's essentially like alarm bells going off when there are no alarm bells. So this is this idea, like sometimes people are like, you know, you have to trust your gut. And it's like, yeah, like you should trust your gut. But if you have a lot of trauma and your gut is literally like not wired correctly, like your gut is literally sensing danger. This is hypervigilance yeah. in our environment, right? So if you're sensing danger where there isn't any, and this gets to the point where it's like, you know, we see people who... Um, maybe have had a lot of trauma in their life, right? And this is the reenactment re piece, you know, where we see people who end up with someone who's like their father or you were abused and you end up with the abuser, mm -hmm. right? When someone is trying to come to you and attach to you in a secure, a, like connected way, that can set off an alarm bell for you. Right. Right. Yeah. So like my work when I'm doing with this with clients is helping them understand their nervous system, bringing awareness to it, befriending it, befriending their nervous system so that they're able to know like when I'm going into that shutdown, when I'm going into a hypervigilance, when I'm actually in like a ventral vagal state, because when we are in a place where we feel connected, it's like our whole brain is online. Like our prefrontal cortex is working. This is where our decision-making and everything is happening. We're not like in our amygdala hijack, right? right? 
you know? So like, let's say for example, you know, you grew up in a home with like very emotionally unavailable parents and you were always emotionally monitoring everything, right? And you did not want to upset anyone versus somebody who grew up in a home where their needs were met, you know, their parents held space for their emotions. They were allowed to feel sad, angry, happy. It was okay. They were connected. When they, when these two people get like criticism, like constructive criticism at work, that is going to feel very different to those two people. Yeah. Right. Like their nervous systems are going to react differently to constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like helping people understand where they are at right now. Like what story are they telling themselves when they're in these different nervous system states? And how do we help them get to a place where they can be more in that ventral state? So, and like the most beautiful thing about the ventral vagal state, when we're able to like, like you and me right now, that's where we're at. That's what we're doing, right? Like our brains are online. We're having this great conversation. One of the primary indicators that we are in actually our ventral vagal state is that we're curious. Mm. And I love that. Right. So it's kind of this idea of like, you know, I don't know what's over there, but I'm really curious and I'm excited to find out. Yeah. It's like the difference between I don't know and that's exciting and I'm going to go look versus I don't know and I'm really alarmed by that and I need to protect myself or I don't know. And I need to run away and hide and shut down. Yeah. So when you think about that in the context of relationship, when we're getting to know someone that we don't know, like imagine how that's going to play out. Mm-hmm. We want to be like, we don't know and we're excited and that's exciting. But if we don't have capacity for that because of the experiences that we've had in our lives, if not knowing that's off an alarm bell if not knowing makes us want to shut down Mm -hmm. that's going to be a pretty big like interpersonal barrier for us so I bring all of that into like my sessions with clients all of it like we'll map our nervous systems right out Mm -hmm. you know like what does it feel like when I'm in shutdown what shuts me down like what does it feel like when I'm in sympathetic what takes me there and how do I know I'm in this ventral vagal state like when am I curious when am I excited right and actually I think I love this um when my clients are struggling with it a little bit I'll say I want you to go away this week and I want you to make me three different playlists I want you to make me a playlist that you would listen to when you know you're in that sad, depressed, shut down state. Like, tell me those songs. Right. And then I want you to give me some songs that would define when you're like hypervigilant, you know, you're protecting yourself, you know. And then I want you to give me a playlist of songs that are like the movers and the groovers when you're having a good time. And music's a big part of this. Like music is part of our nervous system. And that is like an assignment I give to clients usually in like, you know, the third or fourth session and they run with that one. Like it's, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I love that. 
-hmm. I really feel like patriarchy gets in the way of a woman's gut instinct. It does. Because it it teaches us to actually misinterpret our own gut instinct. For example, we might go on a date with somebody and feel anxious and maybe it's nervous, maybe it's anxiety. We, you know, you, you don't know yet, but, but you don't know yet, right? Because, because excited, nervous, anxious, they all feel very similar. And so maybe this person is exciting you because you have a, a you know, again, we talked about how your gut knows ahead of time. So maybe you're excited because it knows ahead of time, this is a great person, or maybe you're anxious because your gut knows ahead of time, this is a disaster. But what we are told is that's a spark. Oh it's my spark and so go with it because you've got a spark so kiss that person but unless you're doing a no kissing for three months dating role observation before selection and the kiss is selection because if you're anything like me when you kiss somebody and someone else says can I take you out you go uh-uh-uh I'm already seeing someone I got to see this through and find out if this is a douchebag and I got to get an arrest warrant on him or if this is the man of my dreams but I don't know yet it could go either way is this excitement or is this anxiety because I'm about to step into a landmine and our patriarchal culture says, oh no, it's good. Go ahead and kiss them. So we need to take the pause and not just listen to our body, but use that sensation that we have in conjunction with observation and make a detailed assessment of the person before deciding whether or not to kiss them. Yes, a hundred percent. You just hit the nail on the head, right? So we have the things happening in our body and then we have the translation happening in our mind. And you made a great point there. I tell clients all the time, I go, listen, excitement and anxiety somatically, nervous system wise, feel exactly the same in your body. You know what I do? Uh, sometimes to ease my anxiety, because you know, sometimes you, like, you feel like a rush of anxiety, a push of anxiety. And sometimes it just kind of comes out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is I go, I like, I feel it. And I'm like, okay, instead of releasing, I'm going to change. So then I go, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I feel so excited. And because uh, I told myself that it changed how I felt about how I felt. Yeah. How are you interpreting it? Right? How are you interpreting it? I love that so much. Yeah, I, I I'm always saying that. I'm like, so we have the gut instinct. Like, let's let's try to get like our nervous systems wired correctly, so they're like sensing the safety and the danger properly. And then that's the next part, right? So it's like a bottom up approach. Mm -hmm. so the bottom is the nervous system, and now we're going up, right? So we can do this in therapy. We can go top down or bottom up which it means like somatics to intellect or like cognitive or cognitive down to somatics, right? And you're hitting a nail on the head there. It's like the patriarchy. What is the lens that we are looking at this through, well, right? We can get our nervous system wired right, but then we have this like collective lens that's like, no, you must kiss this man now if you are excited about him. Well, I mean, here's the thing those psychology books that we're using in university are mostly written by males, aren't they? What do they know about the they female? Are. 
what do they know? What do they know about the female? They can't speak about, about a woman's intuition. And by the way, women are better bodyguards because we have that better intuition. We're very good co-regulators. Co that's mm -hmm. part of our biology. We make the babies and we do like all of that. Like those, that's our superpower, right? Like we are very good co-regulators. We're very good nurturers, right? So, I mean, I don't know about you, Chantal, that I'm feeling like uh, in society now, there is a resurgence of feminine energy. Mm -hmm. Yes, there is because we are taking our power. Listen, this I say this every single day evolution revolution we women are evolving who we select evolving how we are in relationships which is evolving the family dynamic monkey see monkey do so the next generation of children we will have more having healthier happier relationships because this generation now some of us are fixing our shit. So more of them are going to be fixed in the next generation. And because more of them are fixed, it's an expanding dynamic of people who are stopping the cycle of toxic, abusive relationships. The feminine is healing and it is actually demanding that the masculine step up. And when you talk about that idea, like the nervous system, yeah, we are taking space to regulate our nervous systems. We are taking that power back. So we're doing that bottom part. And then we're also dealing with the patriarchy and your work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Top one example of changing the cognitive frame around what women are expected to do or how women are expected to show up in relationship. Yeah, exactly that, right? Like your work is about empowering women and teaching them that, you know, I am more than a wife. I am more than a mother. I am more than, you know, a fuck or a kiss or this or that. Our worth is so much more than that, right? And we have to remember the reason why the patriarchy existed. Like we could go back in history and Lord knows I would have been a witch, <laughs> right? No, because we are very powerful. The feminine is very powerful. Yeah. So like, this is why the patriarchy exists, right? And now we are taking our time to heal. We're giving ourselves space. We're changing that cognitive lens and we're recognizing like, I can tell a guy, I don't want to kiss him for three months. And if that's a problem for him, then he just excused himself. Yeah. Because we do not pick people who lack patience and impulse control and don't want to know who we are. Yeah. I mean, it's just a great way. Like it's a great vetting that it's vetting. Yes. Right. We need to bring back the vetting process. Yes. It was taken. It was taken from us. Like, like everything was taken from us. Everything was taken to disempower us. You're not allowed to own property. You're not allowed to have a bank account. You're not allowed to vote. You're not allowed to exercise your sexuality on your own terms. But if you are, you have to kiss them before you know who they are so they can continue to take advantage of you. We are disadvantaged at every turn and we have to unsubscribe from the cultural brainwashing and rise against it. So let's link that back to what mm -hmm. I just said about the ventral vagal state. What did I say? Curious. Yeah. I'm curious about you. Yeah. And because I'm curious about you, I'm going to vet you. I'm going to investigate you. 
Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep going. What's over here? What's over here? What's over here? I'm not going to drop into like a sympathetic nervous system state where I'm like, oh, I'm excited. I'm anxious. I must kiss this man. No, I'm going to stay in my ventral vagal connected state. I am giving you my time and my attention. I'm making eye contact with you. And I'm very curious about what you have to offer. Mm -hmm. And that is the nervous system state that more women are finding themselves in these days. They're not dropping down into that sympathetic nervous system state that I'm talking about where you are mobilized and you're like, oh my gosh, I like this guy. I have these feelings. Obviously I have to make out with him or I have to have sex with him if I want to keep him. That's a mobilized state. Yeah. What you're talking about is that ventral state where you're like, nope, my decision-making is online. Thank you. I'm curious about you still. And if that makes you nervous. <laughs> yes, because curiosity is a sign of intelligence and courage. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like that, you want me to be dumb enough to barter my body for your attention because I don't have the courage to be seen for my character, my integrity, my personality. Mm-hmm. Which is like very, you know, like hypervigilant going into that, like mobilized, I must do something. And then when you think about that shutdown state, it's like, just take me, just take me, right? Like I am shutting down. I'm not online. I have nothing else to offer, but my body, mm-hmm. right? So like this theory actually aligns beautifully with your work because the no kissing for three months dating rule is a ventral vagal state. That is it right there. Neurosystems online. You are like, it's, it's, it's aligned with you. You're congruent. You trust yourself. You trust your gut instinct. You are showing up with this man, by the way, who should be very excited that you are because like, shouldn't that be like enough? Really? Listen, <laughs> if they, <laughs> If the opportunity to get to know me isn't exciting to you, you're the wrong person for me by far. Mm-hmm. Tell us what it, what's a glimmer, what is glimmer? Tell us what glimmer. Uh, so glimmers, like this is why we even got onto the polyvagal. So the glimmer is the opposite of a trigger, right? And we talk about triggers all the time. Like this triggered me, that triggered me. And uh, we have trigger warnings, which by the way, don't work because as soon as you have a trigger warning, you're triggered. Your nervous system's ahead of you, right? Like that doesn't work. Um, So a glimmer, like when we think about a glimmer, it doesn't have to be like this extensive moment of like connection, like massive thing. Glimmers are like little moments in our day, right? Where we feel connected to something. So I did bring um, a couple of my little like therapy cards that I would use with clients. And I thought like, maybe I could like ask you a couple of questions too today. Okay, let's do this. Yeah. So I'm going to set it up. So glimmers are the micro moments of our ventral vagal experience that routinely appear in everyday life, yet they are frequently unnoticed, right? A glimmer could be seeing a friendly face, hearing a soothing sound, or noticing something in the environment that makes you smile. 
Glimmers are easily overlooked. That's very important because the human brain is wired to pay more attention to negative events than to positive ones. But when we learn to notice glimmers, we find that they are all around us and we start to look forward to them more. Right? So for you, Chantal, identify your glimmer cues. What happens in your body that lets you know that you're having a glimmer moment? What do you feel? What do you do? What do you think? So a gl- for a glimmer moment for me would be when my husband says my sweet. So, um, you know, we, we, we rarely ever use our first names with each other. It's normally baby. Mm-hmm. And I can say, um, you know, when I bring my husband his, his meal, um, and I'm leaving and I go, I go bye, baby. He says, thank you, my sweet. And when he says, Thank you, my sweet, my sweet. That's a, like, this is how I read into my husband's emotions because, you know, my husband, uh, people are transparent, right? And so my husband is extra appreciative, extra loving. That's where I get the, my sweet. And mm-hmm. so when I get that word, I, I, ha- I always catch it and I always have this uplift in me. And there's always like an inner smile. If I, if I don't outer smile, it's an inner smile. And so that that little uplift and that little surge of love, because mm-hmm. I'm picking up on his surge of love too. So for me, it's it's a sensation of content. I know all is well and uplift. I'm happy to be so loved and appreciated and, and recognized. Yeah. And I heard the part about the co-regulation and the connection in there too, which is like, yes, Ryan. Yeah. Okay. So use your cues to recognize glimmer moments as you move through your day now. So that moment, like that feeling that you have, right? When you hear my sweet, mm-hmm. can you think of other times in the day or in your environment where you feel like, I think you said an inner smile. Yeah. Can you think of other times in your environment then that have nothing to do with people? Mm-hmm. Where you get sensation in your environment and your space that you've created for you. Can it have something to do with the pet or is it just? Ah, Yeah. Oh, totally. Can have something to do with a pet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I'm going to bring up Charlie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for me, it's the, the devotion, the devotion in him, the desire to be with me. Like right now he's laying on the floor. Uh, when, when I come sit here, he comes and lays beside me. If he gets too hot, he's going to, but he's nearby. And, and I love that connectivity that he has to me, that desire for the, my companionship, the, the need to be around me. He sees me as part of his tribe and I love to feel needed. And I was saying to a friend of mine the other day, because we're talking about how he follows me everywhere and you know, it's, it's, it's their instinct to do that. But when we're apart, it's the separation anxiety. And so when I, I've, I've seen you guys together. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Well, Steve laughs at us because he's, he's like everywhere Chantel moves, Charlie follows. And he said, I should be Dorothy for Halloween because I got my Toto. So, um, so I, I think you were here one day and you went to the store from my house and I woke up <laughs> 
I, I could play the you video. You to the store and your dog was just like, absolutely not. <laughs> I, 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 so a friend of ours took a video of my dog howling, howling, because I had gone to the store and left this poor, poor baby behind. Um, and so he was just, he was crying for his mama. Um, but I was, I was saying to my friend that I love it, but I'm also sad for him because like I, I go in the car and he's, he's so anxious in the car because he doesn't know if I'm going to drop him off and leave him somewhere. And that's, that's his biggest fear is like, mama, you know, <laughs> am I going to the groomers? Am I going to our mama? <laughs> yeah. So, oh my goodness. So do you, do you want me to, do you want to, do you want me to play this for you? Yes. Um, yes. My, my, my followers are definitely going to love this. So he sends me this video and he, the, the text is, how do you make it stop? So here's. Oh, that's my house. That's your house. Watch yeah, that's house. Here's, oh, it's your son. Yes, that was my house. <laughs> that was the time where I got woke up. Yeah, I came downstairs. I'm like, what is going on with the dog? So that's, so, I mean, I love that connectivity and it makes me smile inside because I I just, you know, I love my tribe, Melissa. I love my tribe and I love being wanted and needed and loved. Mm -hmm. That's my inner smile. Mm -hmm. And then do you ever just have like, glimmer moments let's just say you're completely by yourself so I know our friend that actually brought this up to me why we're even here right now talking about this was her glimmer moment was just like a song came on in the car that you know she hadn't heard in bears back to music that she hadn't heard in so long and it brought up these beautiful like you know wasn't having a great day and the song came on the radio and it was just like yes life is good and it was just this moment mm -hmm. oh I remember or like I love moments when you know I'm at the grocery store or you know parking car taking a shopping cart back and you know all of a sudden you just have this moment of connection with someone where they smile at you and you smile at them and you're like good it's mm -hmm. okay right and like so my next little card here I have is uh, called savoring. So savoring is the practice of capturing and deepening the glimmers. Central mm -hmm. micro moments that inevitably merge throughout the day. So now we're not noticing them. Like the, at the beginning I said, like, you know, I'm educating clients on this. I'm like, let's like, what are they? We just did that. You and me. So yeah. now it's, let's look for them. Can I tell you a story? Savor them. Mm -hmm. So immediately what popped into my mind was a memory of me driving. And I, I had been doing a lot of gratitude work up to that point because like meditation and gratitude work really helps heal your mental health because it changes your brain. And so I was driving and, you know, it's kind of like dust, like the sun is starting to set. So the air is taking on that rosy tinge, but it's still full light on outside. And it was summer, the temperature was just right. And, and so you're driving along and it's like the lighting is perfect. The temperature is perfect. The pace where I'm going is perfect. The traffic on the road is perfect. Everything 
thing was my relationship was great. Everything. I'm making money at my work. Everything. And I went into that state of gratitude and, and I, I was developing gratitude. So not only was I going into gratitude, but I was going to gratitude and then and then purposefully growing the gratitude. And I was driving my car and I did that growing. I call it the inhale. You inhale the gratitude, get it into your bloodstream. So it becomes a part of your very fiber of your being. And I went into that state and I went into it so deep. I started bawling in mm -hmm. gratitude. Mm -hmm. You're imprinting it. Mm -hmm. And what you just did there, by the way, is another intervention I would do with a client, which is once you imprint it, once you start savoring these glimmers, snapshot it. You just took, gave me a snapshot because you did the savoring because you're, you're headed again. Mm -hmm. We know you're Canada's number one dating coach. We know, we know you got that. And right, like the meditation, the gratitude, all of that, like that's stuff that brings us into the ventral vagal, right? So I was just talking about savoring there. And then you just took it one more level up where you just gave me a snapshot. So that snapshot that you just gave me, if I had a session with a client where we did a lot of traumatic work, I would have already worked on that with them. I said, where's our snapshot? Yeah. About that time again when you were driving and the colors were perfect and you were feeling grateful. Let's drop anchored there. Because once we know about glimmers, then we start to notice them, then we start to savor them, then we imprint them, then we snapshot them. Yeah. Then we know that no matter what is going on in our lives, that's possible. Mm -hmm. Possible. Yeah. And that's where we drop our anchor. Right? I love that you said drop your anchor because you just did something to me right there. Because I, when you said drop your anchor, it kind of put me fully back into that gratitude and my eyes teared up. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, that's a great place to drop anchor. Agree. And so, you know, next week, two weeks, six months from now, five years from now, if you're in grief, right? And grief is like, you know, we can talk about being positive, you know, as much as we want, right? And you know this about me too. And you know, I love my animals and you know, I lost two animals this summer. Yes. One of the things that got me through that was this kind of practice was being able to go back to anchors I've dropped in my glimmers, remembering that like impermanence. Yeah. I feel sad now, but there's also this ability for me to feel so loved, so connected, to see so much beauty, to feel so much gratitude. And if I drop my anchors in those moments, yes, I'm gonna be fine. I'm going to get through this. Instead, instead of anchoring into moments of sadness and distress and dysfunction. I love this. I love what we're saying here. Beautiful. Yeah. So that's like going back to the beginning of our conversation. A lot of people who are coming into me who are, who have complex PTSD, where do you think their anchors dropped? Exactly. Right. Yeah. So we are moving the needle. That's yeah. 
necessary. Like, I love that we just like did this together because that's the work I'm doing with people. That's how I'm using it. I'm going, okay, that is what complex PTSD is. That's PTSD. Your anchor is dropped in all of these moments of trauma and of dysregulation of people hurting you. Yeah. So yeah. we have to work together and like some of the work, like, yeah, I'm talking about finding the glimmers, but like a lot of the work that I'm doing with people when I'm using polyvagal theory is yes, there's music, but there's breath work and everything you just said there, you said, what did you say? Meditation, gratitude, like these, this, this kind of somatic practice, right. Self-monitoring body awareness, like all of this is part of it too right? Like this is where we want to bring people into because we all have the ability, like we have going back again to evolutionary theory, we have evolved. Yeah. All, all of us humans mm -hmm. to be capable of dropping anchor in that glimmer. I you love know? this. I I love this so much. I think this is a perfect place to just leave people with this. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, <laughs> Melissa, I love you. I love you too. Did I make you cry? You did. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I appreciate you. I, I, I love that we have these conversations. Where can people find you if they want to work with you? Yes. So I do have a private practice. It's soul.warrior.counseling on Instagram or soulwarcounseling.com online. So I do take private clients. They are all virtual. So really, you know, I'm not big into diagnosis, right? I think a lot of uh, when people can come to therapy, I tell them always at the beginning, listen, it's always an assessment session and it's mutual. <laughs> You assess me and I assess you. And we decide like, can we work together, right? You don't have to come. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can come to me with certain diagnosis, but I think that a lot of it, it is about really finding who, out who we are authentically, building a good relationship with ourselves, trusting ourselves, making deals with our future self and getting into this ventral vagal state so we can drop anchors so that we can find the goodness in life so yeah I'd love to work with all kinds of people yeah you're such an open mind and I so appreciate that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well I love you I love you I adore you thank you so much for our conversation today Melissa having me. bye my love bye